Welcome back, you beautiful people. It is another incredible episode of MedShield Movement Connect Show with me, Dr. Fez. Now, it is Diabetes Awareness Month, and we have somebody who is very knowledgeable, not just about diabetes, but lifestyle as a whole, who is a psychologist and a dietitian. We have the one, the only, Bertus Kutzer. Get ready to know what you don't know about being body brilliant. This is the MedShield Movement Connect Show where we connect the dots between fitness, health, wellness, nutrition, and of course you. Hosted by me, Dr. Fezim Kize, and a special guest that we have every month, sharing knowledge, insights, and groundbreaking tips on how to get fitter, be stronger, and live healthier. Turn up the volume and listen close. Today you amplify. It's the MedShield Movement Connect show. Let's go. Bert, thank you so much for sitting down with us. My pleasure to be here. It is a very interesting month because I feel like diabetes is kind of known at home, but also people have their own myths around it. Yeah. If you would tell someone kind of a basic term, type 1, type 2, what are the differences between them? Okay, first of all, like you said, there's two types of diabetes, type 1, type 2. 95% of all diabetes is generally type 2. Type 1 is what we call an autoimmune disease. That's your own immune system attacking your pancreas, your beta cells, and then that leads to not producing insulin, so you are now a type 1 diabetic. You are mm -hmm. generally going to take insulin for the rest of your life. Yeah. Upside of a type 1, it's generally diagnosed at a young age. Mm. Anything from, what, 12 to 24, 25, yeah. whereas type 2 is a lifestyle disease. That's us creating the disease by the lifestyle we lead. Mm. And that makes up for 95% of all diabetes cases. Yeah. And generally most of the deaths due to diabetes is type two, yeah. not type one, because type ones are very good at managing their diabetes. Because at a young they, age, yeah. as that's where the psychology comes a lot of times in. The type one's young, the habits aren't that set in stone yet. So they still adapt, change, live better. At type two, suddenly 40 years old, as a lifestyle thing? Now suddenly you have to change everything. It's hard. And you as a doctor, you see type 2 diabetics. Mm -hmm. They don't manage well in general. Adherence, naughtiness. <laughs> they do. I love that you call it naughtiness because that is kind of the, it's the nicer way of putting it. And because you say it's a lifestyle thing, the way you've lived for many, many decades, exactly. now I'm telling you the way you've lived is not the way you should continue living because it will send you down that path. And you yeah. know how hard it is to change a habit? Yeah. All yeah. Our, our habits are ingrained and the longer those habits are there, now we have to change. It's hard. Yeah. But like yeah. I said, with the naughtiness, even in rehab, sugar packets, they will purposefully steal sugar packets and put in their coffee and tea Blood glucose off the charts, mm. but, but you know mm. what's mm. going to happen. I mean, speaking of the sugar habits, and, and I love that you've given this overview because it, it kind of gets everybody at home into the mindset of lifestyle is important, not just because you might be slim and you might be able to take mm -hmm. social media photos, but it has internal repercussions. Sugar is something I love to say is an addictive thing that almost gets overlooked because it's not vilified, it's not said to be something that's bad. It's, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, naughty, but it has long-term ramifications, even in the form of things like inflammation in the body, and that chronically happens over like the decades that exactly. you take it for. Mm. And when it comes to something like diabetes, 
that is associated with kind of your insulin and what goes and on in your body. Exactly, those glucose spikes in the indexes. Sugar becomes your worst enemy. So when it comes to diabetes, and if I had to ask you as somebody who's, who's worked with nutrition, what are some of the things you tell somebody when they come in? Actually, let's even take a step before that. What mm -hmm. are some of the telltale signs that somebody might be having a potential type 2 issue when it comes to diabetes type 2, if they come into you? Where I want to take it first, mm -hmm. let's first think what is diabetes. Because again, before we can actually go, how do we help with it? What do we do with we it? Have to define what it. is diabetes? And the way I always look at it is diabetes is a symptom of something else, actually. Mm. We always think about diabetes. I have diabetes now. Now I need to treat it. Yeah. But what actually got me to the point of having diabetes? We need to th rather think of treating diabetes as actually treating the cause of diabetes. Mm -hmm. Diabetes is the mm -hmm. symptom. Now, what is the cause? Insulin resistance. Because insulin resistance is what drives me to become a diabetic. diabetic. A diabetic is just the symptom of the insulin resistance. Mm. So what is insulin resistance then? When blood glucose goes up, when we consume food, any form of carbohydrate, mm -hmm. blood glucose is going to go up. Now that blood glucose needs to enter your muscle cells and insulin is the key to that law. Mm -hmm. Now insulin resistance, think of it this way. You come home today, long day at work, you put your key in the door, unlocks, you go in. Tomorrow you get Open. there, nothing. It doesn't work. Now you have to put more force, more effort, the door unlocks. Next day, more effort. And over time, you're going to get to a point where it's just not going to open anymore. And that's the insulin. Your cells don't recognize the insulin anymore. Mm. Blood glucose keeps going up now. That's then what we call being a diabetic. Yeah. And if you think actually what is the difference between a diabetic and a non-diabetic, five grams of glucose. Five grams. If you think what five grams looks like, that's a teaspoon of sugar. Huh. How that's... sensitive we are to blood glucose. Then, what makes us insulin resistant? Because if we want to treat it, we first need to look what gets us to be insulin resistant. Mm. And there's actually not just food. We always think diabetes, it's food. Food. No. Food is one. Mm. Sedentary lifestyle is one. And then stress management, sleep. That's also a massive one. All three of those things lead us to become insulin resistant. And the problem is we are insulin resistant at a young age for a lot of us. Then 10 years later, we suddenly become diagnosed. Mm. 20, 25 year olds, they don't exercise at all. They're already insulin Standing at a desk, looking at a screen. Now the problem with that, the more insulin insensitive I become, the more my blood glucose goes up. But usually we don't turn a lot of carbs, glucose, into fat. But now with this insulin, the insulin sensitivity going up, blood glucose going up also, we teach the body to deposit more fat now in the muscle cells. Mm. Now more muscle cells have fat in it, more insulin resistance again. Yeah. To the point, as that keeps going on, now we start developing insulin resistance in the liver which is very bad now because mm -hmm. now we also develop the ability to turn more glucose and fructose into fat, fat. in the liver. Yeah. And then that also starts problematic in the liver because now the liver starts releasing more glucose into the system and the cycle gets worse and worse and yeah. worse. Yeah. Yeah. And that all starts with insulin 
resistance, not even diabetes. But we are so good at always worrying about, you know what, I'm a diabetic now. Mm. We should change the narrative around worrying about diabetes and rather worrying about, let's be proactive. Let's address insulin resistance. And you as a doctor, we don't test insulin resistance really. No, it's, it's, it's again, it's, and it is those discussions that we tend to have in terms of looking at the old way of framing things, a disease, and then you treat that disease because mm -hmm. that's the disease that comes in and I can give you the diagnostic criteria for it and the thresholds and the test where you take the sugar and then we take your blood now and then we take it then and then we can give you that diagnosis as opposed to looking at that kind of holistic pattern and even talking about the prevention of it exactly. and catching it before you've fully kind of gotten into that profile. And a good indicator generally of insulin sensitivity, if you don't do an insulin test, is triglyceride levels. Mm. Because mm. the higher your triglyceride levels are, the higher your fats, fats. in your muscle yeah. cells will be, yeah. which will mean you are insulin insensitive. And that's putting you on the path to develop diabetes. But insulin resistance don't just lead to diabetes. It also it's leads... Because yep. I always say there's four horsemen of death. The first horseman, and they go in order now from the most deaths worldwide, mm -hmm. cardiovascular diseases, number one. Second, cancers. Third, metabolic diseases. And then the fourth horseman being neurodegenerative diseases. Mm -hmm. But insulin resistance increases your chance for all four of those. Yeah. Diabetes is generally the one we develop first. It's very true. It's very true, and the thing is, which is why it's so important, and we're speaking about it when it comes to this month, the gravity of the situation is important so that it hits home, but also I love the fact that you're going, there are points even before you are diabetic, because we'll yes. talk about diabetes and managing it and the things that you can do. There are points before that where you can stop yourself getting to that point of a diagnosis of diabetes and then us talking about those management. Mm -hmm. And it is something that, again, because it's such a, it's, it's got all these facets to it, you should sit down with your healthcare provider and the person who you speak to when it comes to your annual visits and talk about topics that Bert has been talking about because these are things that are insidious things that slowly come about. You talk mm. about the 20s, where people are still thinking, ah, oh, I've got youth. We can get away with yeah, youth, still young. youth. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. And I can sit and I can game all day and then I can go to my desk and work on my editing mm. or whatever it is that requires me to sit and have extended periods of kind of sitting down, which really allows you to be able to understand that these things are preventative. Yes. Now, if I had to go, okay, we're talking about Insulin resistance, diabetes, we said lifestyle. So what are some of the key lifestyle points that you'd tell somebody if they might be in that insulin resistant phase or have just been told that they have diabetes? And this can work, I know, type one or type two, but mm -hmm. predominantly type two because that's actually the thing that gets you there. Yes. So there's four levers to get better with all kinds of diabetes. Okay. Yeah. The first lever being exercise. The second lever being nutrition, diet. Everybody loves eating healthy we all food. Do. It's just so much fun. <laughs> That's why KFC and McDonald's, all of them are everywhere. I mean, uh, listen, uh, I think it's healthy. If you look at it just right, there are health benefits there. there are. Have you ever noticed how they're all outside a gym? 
<laughs> Every gym you will find a KFC or McDonald's or something. Because they're trying to promote your protein intake. Because you earned it. Because Yeah, and chicken has, has all sorts of mm. protein in it. So it was the second lever is nutrition, the third lever being sleep, and the fourth lever being stress management. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's a fifth one, that's medication. Because mm. medication does play a role here. So let's touch on exercise. Why is exercise then important for diabetes and insulin sensitivity? Mm -hmm. When we exercise, we burn what? Glycogen. Yeah. And the more we can burn our glycogen from the muscles, we activate AMPK. And the moment we actually activate AMPK in our muscles, and it's activated by the depletion of muscles, mm -hmm. you don't need insulin to get to glucose get shuttled into, into the cells. Yeah. And the more you do that, the more sensitive you do become to the insulin. Mm. So exercise is amazing to make us more sensitive to, to exercise again, yeah. uh, to insulin. insulin yeah. And usually it's the one thing we don't prioritize a lot, is exercise. Yeah. But that also ties in why stress is there. What do you do when you're stressed? You generally gym, exercise is the last thing you want to do. Yeah. What do you crave when you are stressed? You want the sugar with some of the fat and mm -hmm. it makes you feel good and all of a sudden there's just nice feelings in your brain. You start you escaping with good. food. Yeah. yeah. So it's so already exercise out of the door then. But then also with stress, cortisol goes up. Mm. And generally when cortisol goes up, adrenaline goes up. And then your liver releases glycogen into the liver in the bloodstream. Blood glucose also goes up. Mm. So now the stress is bringing more glucose into the system. The yeah. cycle repeats. Stress, less sleep. Two, 12 days to two weeks, or five hours of sleep per night, mm. you're about 50% less effective at glucose disposal, even if you're a healthy person. Wow. And, you know, two, three nights, bad sleep. How's your mood? I mean, not, not chipper. How's I your work control? Yeah, exactly. Long day at work, Mr. D delivery. Pizza, Reward chips. yourself because it's been a long day. Um, you know what, you actually, you only live once and uh, how long are you going to live? Your mood is already here and you, mm -hmm. you know what, live now, so eat, eat the things that make you feel I'm good. I'm tired, I'm not going to go to the gym, mm -hmm. it's been a bad day, sleep is terrible, dig the hole deeper. Yeah. Now when it comes to food part, which is usually also the hard one, mm. if we think food, we eat to sustain ourselves. And when we have food, we generally have actually four macronutrients. We've always been taught there's three. three. Protein, yeah. carbs, carbs, and fats. fats. Yeah. And all three of these macronutrients serve a certain purpose in the body. Protein, muscles, DNA, immune system, we need it. Without it, you will die. Yeah. Fats, also a certain purpose. A lot of hormone production, it's prerequisites for that. Brain health, inflammation, anti-inflammatory, mm -hmm fatty acids, and also reserve energy. Mm -hmm. If I remove fat from your diet, you'll also die. Yeah. Carbs, what is the purpose for carbs then? Energy, yeah. its role is energy. If I remove it from your diet, you won't die. But it doesn't mean you're gonna be happy. Exactly. <laughs> so, that's, take this analogy for instance, a car. Engine oil, petrol, and brake fluid. All three of these things are liquids, but will you put gasoline in your engine? No, you won't. Will you put brake fluid into your engine? No, you wouldn't. Yeah. Same with food, they have different purposes. But now carbohydrates get converted into glucose. Mm. 
and glucose goes up, insulin needs to go up also. We don't want these spikes. And what gives us these quick digestion spikes? Highly processed carb sources. Mm -hmm. So how do we slow that? When we have a carbohydrates, think of everything white, white bread, rice, potatoes, all the general white stuff we eat yeah. most likely, even putupap, mm. maize meal. Mm -hmm. How do I slow down that breakdown so I don't have that Great. roller coaster? Yeah. Okay, let's add protein to that. The moment I add protein to that, I slow down the digestion. Let's go a step further. What if I add a healthy fat to that now? Now I slow it down even more. Now that mm. roller coaster peak becomes lower. But now let's add more fiber to it. Now I slow it down yeah. even more. Now you have a steady release of glucose into the system and a slow drop. But let's say breakfast, bowl of cornflakes, two, two, three spoons of sugar, some milk, very high processed carbs, very low protein and more sugar. You have that bowl up, but what's that saying? What goes up? Must come down. By 10 o'clock, there's a bowl of muffins or a box of donuts on that table. You're feeling low, your energy's feeling down. You will have it. You need to. We know that 10 o'clock yeah. munchies yeah. in office. Yeah. Whatever is laying around, you will eat it because the moment that spike happens, it also drops. Ghrelin hormone gets released now, which is a hunger hormone. Mm -hmm. And more ghrelin we have, the more we want to eat anything we will find. So we need to think, how do we stop those spikes happening? Is combining protein, carbs, fat, and fiber. But most of us don't generally combine these things. It's yeah. always highly carb-rich foods. Because, and I think that's also some of the mindset that we've had, even growing up, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Mm -hmm. But the cereals that we eat are so enriched like with, with sugar, processed sugar, that does make you feel great and you are ready for the day, but that that's spike... Three hours later? Exactly. And you're just like, what's happening to my productivity? I was, I was working at an optimal level in my mm -hmm. mind. And then all of a sudden, I can barely look at my screen or think of anything And you want the quick fix. Exactly. More sugary things. You, exactly. you crave those sugary, highly processed foods. So that roller coaster that we ride, up and down, up and down, every time we have that massive spike, you need a massive spike of insulin also. And then these high level of insulin eventually also lead to insulin resistance mm -hmm. because we're constantly riding the roller coaster over and over. Yeah. But if you have got that balanced meal that goes up, your body will still release insulin, but it doesn't need such a high dose of it. Mm. And the body is amazing at adapting to dosages of things like insulin. The more you have to have it, the more you get used to it, so you need more and more and more. Yeah. Caffeine, same thing. Alcohol, a lot of people, the same thing. Yeah. And that's actually where that fourth macronutrient came in. That's alcohol. Mm. Alcohol for South Africans <laughs> is a macronutrient. <laughs> <laughs> so why do I bring up these four macronutrients? Food is energy. That's what food is. And we calculate energy, kilojoules and cal calories. Mm. Two different methods, but they do the same thing same in the thing, end. Yeah. Now, one gram of protein is four calories. One gram of carbohydrates is four calories, or 16 kilojoules. Hmm. Divide by four or times four. And then fat is nine calories per gram. That's a massive jump. Yep. Alcohol is seven. For one gram of alcohol, it's seven hmm. calories. Wow. 
it's the second highest energy dense molecule we can have. Irrelevant of its wine, beer, that's, that's, it doesn't that's matter what very, it is. That's very enlightening because fat is always, I mean, you call it the gold standard, but it's the one where you know that's going to be high in calories. Mm -hmm. Like you try, people will be like, if you're going to manage your calories, if you're going to be competing in bodybuilding, whatever it may be, understand that fat is where you're going to get a big bang for the buck. Exactly. And why do I say these energy things matter? Because in the end, energy balance matters. Yeah. If you in, consume uh, more energy yeah. than your body needs, what are you going to do? Store it as fat. Mm. Our body can't destroy energy. We store it. So mm. think of it this way. If your expenses is 2,000 Rand a day, and I give you 2,500 Rand today, at the end of the day, are you gonna take that 500 Rand and put it in a dustbin? I mean, if I was a, <laughs> if I was a better person, I feel like I would give it to someone, but no. But I most of us won't just throw it away. Yeah, yeah. The body does the same with energy. It will store it. Now, the more energy I come in, the more it stores it, it creates more fat in the body. Mm. The more fat I have in the body, insulin resistance, gets worse and worse and worse. Now diabetes come. So diabetes isn't just about bad food, it's also about the energy toxicity, the mm. amount of energy I'm constantly consuming. And for a lot of South Africans, alcohol is one of those big buckets. And it is a talking point where I feel like I've sat with many patients and we've had these discussions around the fact that why do you find that it's okay to drink so much? And they'll tell you, oh, but like, it's our culture and this is what we exactly. do. And, and it's part of, of, of joy and, and when you're celebrating or you're in recreational spaces, it, it's just an element that just mm. adds that, that lightness and that, that freeness as opposed to the stress from work and the weakness. Makes there. us escape. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But now, protein gives us something. Fat gives us something. Carbs even give us something, energy. Yeah. What does alcohol give us? Just energy, mm. nothing else. Mm. It's literally, to the extent alcohol is more, in it, is more empty calories than sugar. Because well, that's all that yeah, alcohol that's is. Actually true. But then we drank more, how do we feel the next day? You get the golden prize of a, a headache uh, and, and dryness and just a, a general irritability. And then what do you eat? Ah, yes, of course. We know that McDonald's after uh -huh. a long night. Those fatty to me. molecules feel very good. That cycle repeats itself. And it's that balancing act of making sure we're not consuming too much energy over time, mm -hmm. which leads the body getting bigger. That's why 95% of all people that are overweight and obese are already insulin resistant. Mm. Irrelevant if they have diabetes or not yet. But before we have diabetes, we can then start changing our lifestyle before we have to suddenly change our lifestyle. And it's not I'm saying don't have the drink, don't have the McDonald's, don't have the KFC. Or within... With, within reason, you have to yeah. earn it. Yeah, yeah. If you're active, you go to the gym, you balance out your meals, protein, carbs, fat. Fiber. Every now and then, why you not indulge? You know what's also interesting, Bert, is that you come from, your, you are a psychologist and a dietitian. Those two parts, for me, are very riveting because then I also go, what have you found when it comes to correlation around trying to help somebody who might be insulin resistant, might be diabetic, and trying to get them to 
change their lifestyle because mm -hmm. their lifestyle is also a reflection of mentally what they might associate as normal or right because of their background and how you might then have to manage them having to incorporate these tools that you've been speaking about. Let's break it down why psychology matters actually then. Yeah. Because let's take food and just to break it but back why I went this way, I work in psychiatric hospitals, rehabs. Okay. okay. So usually people who come to rehabs, life's hard. Mm. Stress, alcohol abuse, diabetic, overweight, eating disorders, all these kinds of stuff. But now let's get back to food. Why do we eat? We eat to survive. We eat for energy. Okay, let's put that in a bucket of living. But why else do we eat? What do you do on anniversaries, Valentine's Day? Celebrate with food. You celebrate a lot of it, yeah. You get yeah. a promotion at work, what do you want to do? Celebrate with a lot of food and probably drinking exactly. and, and revelry. You get yeah. a demotion at work, what do you want to do? <laughs> the same stuff actually with a different okay. air, yeah. even further. How do cultures identify? True. Through food. True. When last did you socialize and build bonds and friendships without something going to your mouth? Hmm. We even socialize around food. What some of our fondest memories about grandparents and all these things? Their recipes and their dishes and the food, things that passed down. Food, yeah. food. Yeah. Food takes up so much of our psychological space in our mind. Because isn't it the one thing keeping us alive? For thousands of years, how much work did we have to do? To actually forage and find and yes. hunt. And... You had to spend days hunting, foraging, planting, working. That's why the mind is set up psychologically for us to do that thinking around food. Because if we didn't, we wouldn't have survived. Mm. That's where, why food is so hard to change. But that's also where the psychology comes in of how do habits actually work? Where, how, what is a habit? How do we change a habit? Because if you take your brain, it weighs about what, two to three percent of your yeah. body weight. How much energy does your brain take? A lot. <laughs> 25 to 30 percent of all energy needs is just for this little thing between our head. Throughout history, if you take evolution, that's a very dangerous mechanism to have. Because if you never knew where food will be, you might die. So the brain had to define the method to not have to use so much energy. And that's a bit of habits. 80 percent of what you do every day, you don't think about. Mm. It just happens. 20% is thinking. Think of it this way. You're at work and you were having a very mental hard day. You were typing numbers. You were doing work. How do you feel when you get home? Exhausted. Just exhausted. Depleted. Trained. Done. Yeah. You didn't exercise, did you? <laughs> no. But you still feel the same. So what the brain does, let's take the instance of a braai. Everyone knows braaiing. And usually when somebody braais, what do they also do? Have a beer. Yep. Now, every time I have a braai, you've got neurons in your brain that lights up. That, That's that pathway, all yeah. the braai, the lighting, the fire, down, I see it, mm. and then I have a beer. Braai, beer. Braai, beer. Mm. Then what happens? Neurons that fire together, fuse together. The moment I have a braai, I'm going to want a beer. Yep. Hands down. Why? Because you taught your brain that's what that, it has to do. The, yeah. You're driving to work. Do you think, turn left, turn right, where do I go straight? It's just all it intu just intuitive. Oh yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm gonna do but here. why? Then because then. those neurons yeah. all fuse together. Yeah. 
you're in a new city looking for an address, you will turn down the radio to see where you have to turn left. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. that. That's yeah. thinking. At home, you know where the light switches is and all. It's true. But it goes with food the same. If I go home every day, five o'clock, I have the same food. Mm -hmm. Your brain's going to want to do that. If every time I have an argument with my wife or my spouse or my friends and I have a drink and I eat KFC, the more I do that, every it's argument... associated with those... Exactly, yes, you're going to have those stress. cravings. You're going to want it. It's like the bell and those dogs that use to salivate when the food is going to... Yeah, Pavlova's dogs. Exactly. exactly yeah. But that's where we, if we want to change these habits, if we want to change diabetes, we want to live healthier, it's not about changing everything, 100 things in a week. We first need to come to realize what needs to change. What are the habits that got me here? And what are the triggers of those habits? What I mean with a trigger, I'm going to use the braai again as an example. I like the braai because every South African knows a braai, a shishanyama, yeah, everyone you made, does you it. made it very relatable. <laughs> Am I saying you have to stop braai now? No. It's starting to build their awareness. Well, the braai is the trigger for these cravings. Mm. Does that mean if I'm going to braai, I'm not going to have the craving? No, you are going to have the craving. But that's the beauty. Now we know, okay, this is the reason why you're doing this. But the thing is, we can't stop any habit. Habits will never be stopped. Mm. You need to replace it. With you want to stop eating sugar. You want to stop drinking. You want to stop McDonald's eating. No, you can't stop it. It's not negative. You need to replace it. If you think your whole life, you stopped reading books. No, you didn't. You replaced it with something, something else. else. You stopped going to the gym. No, you didn't stop going to the gym. You replaced it with something else. But we first need to look, what do I need to replace? Mm. And then we take it one habit at a time. You know what? On those levers I mentioned, you haven't been going to the gym at all. And you maybe find that it's an easier start point than a whole new diet. Let's put a goal there. Three times a week. 20 minutes. Not seven times this week for one hour. <laughs> you are going to fail. This week, three times, 20 minutes. Tick those boxes. Three weeks later, if you've done that consecutively, what about a bit more now? Stack and a bit more now. You stack, yeah. Let's say diet. Protein, carbs, fat, fiber. fiber. What if two weeks we just focus on making sure every meal had protein? That's all. Mm. I'm not going to change anything. I'm not saying cut sugar out. For two weeks, let's just make sure lean proteins with every meal. And then, you know what? You've been doing well with the whole protein thing. Two weeks, good. Okay, what about now we start focusing on adding fiber? And what is that? Your fruits and vegetables. Mm. You know what? Two weeks, you're doing good at that. Let's now start focusing on the right fats. Two, three weeks later, you know what? Now let's worry about meal timing, meal sequencing, and all these things. Mm. But we generally go the opposite. Suddenly, I'm diagnosed with diabetes. Everything must change. Everything must go. Yep. And I did say that fifth lever was medication. That's where medication for diabetes is very important. As a holding measure. Yes. The, the medication isn't an excuse to keep living the lifestyle you're living. The medication's there to help you to do transitionally those changes over time. Exactly. So you don't have to use the medication. Full dosage can come lower. But most of us, everything changes. Six weeks later, we crash and burn, and we just increase our medication. Yeah. What's that going to do to your diabetes? Nothing. Yeah. But because true. we never take it one step, we want instant gratification. We want to fix everything. The brain doesn't work like that. Because those neurons that fire together, 
you need to create a new path. habit over them. Replace. Now an example, every time I bribe, I have a beer. Okay, let's say you don't want to drink that beer and you want to stop. Let's think what can we replace it with. A habit changes fast if it's very similar to the current habit. Mm. So let's say kombucha. It's healthy <laughs> enough for the gut. I love that you went to the gut. Yeah, great. Because <laughs> that is a massive yeah. aspect. But why kombucha especially? Fizziness. Fizziness. Mm -hmm. It comes in a bottle. You have to open the bottle. It's usually a brown bottle like a beer. Mm -hmm. How close is that now? To drinking the yeah. It's not going to happen in a week where you don't want to crave. But the more you do that, that habit now... Wise. Exactly. Because yeah. we have what we call pruning, where neuron bridges, synapses, and everything actually gets pruned away to form new bridges. And now that's my new habit. Hmm. If every day you go home, Netflix, which a lot of us do, we all watch Netflix, binge watching, <laughs> you have a bag of chips. Netflix, bag of chips. Netflix, bag of chips. The sound of Netflix will make you crave the bag of chips. Yeah. An example of how effective these cravings can be and these habits are, they are actually all senses. Sight, smell, what we hear, what we feel. About six months ago, one of my patients phoned me and we were working through a cocaine addiction and he's got this massive craving. And I was like, okay, break me down. Where are we? <clears throat> we're in pick and pay. Okay, we're in pick and pay. In the dish, the washing powder aisle. Mm. And I'm like, okay, why? What's happening? And it's like, no, the smell. And okay, what about the smell? His dealer was <clears throat> behind a laundromat. And suddenly just that smell of the laundry detergent fired up those neurons again. So he had a craving. Our brain makes habits nonstop. And that's what I always tell people. Most of us die by, by the age of 30, and we exist until the end. Huh. Why? Because at 30, we've created all our habits. And then we just We just rinse and repeat that. over yep. and over and over. So changing your diet, changing your exercise regime, all of this, you need to first start looking at what are those habits, what are those triggers. And then slowly, two weeks, take one, and the next, and the next. And in six months, you can change your lifestyle. Wow, first. But then people will tell me, you know, it's not fast enough. I'm like, do you've you laid want them change? Down over the, yeah, you've laid them down over many years. Yeah. You've yeah. created these habits for 40 years. Yeah. Do you expect them to just... The brain does not like change. Because those habits are there. Those triggers are there. And the beauty of that, you don't see them. You don't think about them. You don't it's notice true. them. It's true. Wow. And that's where you need to work with, like, your healthcare providers, because a lot of times they can like, what about this bucket? <clears throat> and on those pillars, maybe somebody's diet isn't too bad, but his sleep and stress is what's leading him to insulin resistance. Mm. Okay, maybe that's what you need to work on first. You know, maybe your sleep and stress management isn't the problem, but your diet is the main problem. Okay, let's address that bucket first. That's... Everyone has to start somewhere else on that scale, depending on the lifestyle they are leading. It's very true. Now, Bert, I think the most enlightening thing, and if anything, I could say the take-home concept is that all of the habits that you have have been built over such an extended period of time, it's near crazy to imagine that you can shift them in a matter of a couple of months. And I think that yeah. 
progressively stacking each one of these principles and kind of adjusting them and knowing that you're trying to go for a long-term shift in the way you live is probably going to be the most secure way of approaching shift mindsets, awareness around insulin resistance and diabetes. But you are a wealth of knowledge. We're definitely going to have you back because I feel like there are things that we're going to need to get into just from a mental health perspective, a lifestyle perspective, how we can get all the tools we need to shift and improve ourselves. So we're going to have you back for sure. And I want you to say yes, because that means you've promised on camera and we can't then have you taking it back. So you are definitely going to come back. I love back. doing these things. There we go. The more we can spread the message to people who don't have access to pay to go see somebody, but they can listen to something like this, guys, share it with everyone. Because a lot of times it's just building that, you know what, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. That plants the seed for them to change. Them to change. Because a lot of times you as a doctor, you sit with patients. 10, 20, 30 minutes maybe. But you help one person at a time. Mm. Things like this, it's one to many. Yeah. Where a lot of times in our private practices, it's one to one. Yeah. But and you need to plant that seed. But that's why things like awareness are so important and I hope you are a bit more aware of what diabetes does to you, how you can stop it and when you have it, how you can manage it and just holistically living uh, with your well-being and mind. It's been another incredible episode of MedShield Movement Connect show with me, Dr. Fez. Review this. You're going to need to. It's, it's riveting stuff. Catch you on the next one. MedShield Medical Scheme focuses on restoring confidence in tomorrow and encouraging peace of mind for all South Africans with nine medical aid plans designed for every budget and phase of life. To get a quote, visit www.medshield.co.za.